You are listening to the sermon series, Follow. In this sermon, Pastor Dan Chung examines the gospel according to Luke, the identity of Jesus, and the cost of discipleship. The following is a presentation of LifeLight Church in San Francisco. For more information and other audio content, please visit LifeLightChurch.org. That, that, that's it. Okay, that's great. And we'll be done. <laughs> okay, hey, let's go ahead and dive right in. Right in. Um, the scripture that we have today is continuing from the last week. And it continues on in from several three or four weeks that we've been studying. And we've heard uh, lessons on humility that Jesus talked about. Uh, when I was here, you heard the lessons that Jesus had on gratitude, being thankful, right? And last couple of parables that we read, Jesus talked about being vindicated for his people. But that vindication means now and also in the time to come. So we kind of talked about that. The context in which Jesus speaks of when he talks about the kingdom of God is... That it's here, and that it's coming, too. It's both. That it's here, but it's not complete, but it's coming. So that's what Jesus has been talking about. Kingdom of God, our attitude, humility, being thankful, and how we will be vindicated as we are being vindicated, as Jesus has been vindicated. And he's kind of building on all of that to speak about today's story. Um, And today's story, Jesus is challenging everyone on about entering the kingdom of God. So... Again, this is going to be a theme of it. It's going to be about entering the kingdom of God. So, we're all interested because we all hope to have the eternal life to enter the kingdom of God. Right? So, let's go ahead and read um, our text. It's chapter 18, verse 15 through 30. Uh, some of you know, have read this, and it's probably one of your favorite stories. Uh, one of my favorite stories, too, in the Bible. Uh, it's a great story. So, let's go ahead and look at the, uh, the sermon Note, and has the verses. I'll read one verse, and you can read the next. Here we go, verse 15. People were bringing even infants to him, that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they sternly ordered them not to do it. But Jesus called them and said, Let the children come to me, and do not stop them. For there is such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. He replied, I have kept all this since my youth. But when he heard this, he became sad, for he was very rich. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. He replied, What is impossible for mortals is possible for God. And he said to them, Truly I, truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your teaching. We pray that your words would 
Spirit through our hearts, that our mind would comprehend by the help of your Spirit, that your words and the story that you're teaching will convict us, so we desire us to be formed in the way that you desire. For the sake of you and for the sake of your kingdom, for that we want to be uh, uh, receive an inheritance you give to us. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. Amen. Amen. Uh, some of you recognize the story? Yeah. The verses? Yeah. yeah. Uh, People love it because, oh, it's got, has to do with the children and it's so cute. Um, and, you know, that's really nice and it's one of my favorite uh, scene of Jesus. It's like Santa Claus, right? Jesus seems like Santa Claus. Children coming and sitting on his lap and uh, he's just loving it. This text right here, like I said, it's continuing from the previous text that we have read. So the verse 14 from last week we have read has this. It ends with this. It says, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. And Jesus is continuing on. And like I said, what happens here in these texts is dramatization of what Jesus has just said in the ending of verse 14. So he's, it's almost like Jesus saying that for all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be, will be exalted. For instance, for example, let me tell you two stories. Let me tell you what's going on. That's basically what Luke is doing. He said it, what Jesus has said, and he's giving us examples to understand what it actually looked like so, for, so that we can understand better. So, in this story, we see two types of people. Luke shows up as two different types of people, and one of them is obviously children. Right? These are children, and they are as young as infants, like babies, little babies. Uh, and then the other part, the other group is, well, it's a person, and it, this is a, it's a young, rich, successful, respected, honored ruler. He's got everything going on for him, right? So there's a, two different types of people that we're looking at. So what we recognize right away is that these two people are completely different. They're the polar opposite of who they, you know, of each other. So we'll look at these two. First, it's the first story, the children. What are children like? When you think about children, especially in comparison to someone like young rich ruler, what we understand children as is they're sort of, I don't want to say this when Hannah's around, but they're kind of worthless. You know, they don't worth much. They're helpless. They're completely dependent. On others, they're not very productive. They don't give you anything, right? Children don't give you anything. They're just there, right? So in the ancient days, um, the way it was, children was you know, they hardly survived to the age of twelve or thirteen. So they're really worth nothing because you don't know whether this ch- child will survive through the ages or not, right? So their worth is even less in the ancient days at the time of Jesus. Not only that, children are valued less so if they come out sick it's not like us today that you know we try to cure them and help them and you know to heal them it's they're thrown out they're literally thrown out in the garbage can as soon as they're born right and the men boys were valued higher so sometimes girls are born and they say oh we don't want a girl and we'll be thrown in the garbage can right and someone will pick them up and the person will become a prostitute or just be abused throughout her lives right so that's kind of how the children was viewed they were viewed worthless they were abused, they were ignored, they were thrown out, they were traded, they were literally a property of a man. Like father said, I don't want this child, you can kill him, and had the right to kill a child. 
because it belonged to the man, right? That's the kind of time we're speaking about when child was not very worth much. They were ignored, they pushed aside. And you look at the, oh, how horrible they are, right? They are so, what do you call it? You know, brutal. And, you know, it's so, you know. But we look at our society today and we live in a first world where we care for children. But you, look, you go to the third world, uh, it's still the same way that children aren't valued very much. They're ignored, they're put aside, they're pushed out, right? And not only that, some of you are familiar and, you know, about human trafficking. They, you know, there's a huge uh, issue with the human trafficking of children in the third world, like in Philippines, right? So they're abused, they're thrown out. That's how the children are, even today. So it hasn't changed a whole lot. And, you know, if you look at it today, too, we don't really value children a whole lot when you get, have grown old. And we tend to push them out. And even in church, you know, you've seen this a lot. If you've ever been to church or, you know, place there, everything needs to be really serious. You're like, children come in and they go, oh, keep the children out. Uh, even in church, shh, we can't have children in this church service. Keep them out, right? So, the scene is, verse 15, we look at it, here is, Jesus, people were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. So this is seen where Jesus is there and there are a whole lot of people and people are bringing kids, infants. To touch them basically means to bless them. So for whatever reasons, disciples is trying to, no, 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 keep the children out, keep the children out, right? And you can kind of tell it's, there's a lot of tension, there's a lot of people there. Jesus is carrying on an important ministry. They're saying, well, what are these children doing? Don't bring children here. They're going to be interrupting what's going on. You know, there are a lot of important people here, like the person that we're going to hear about, the rich young ruler. We don't want to disrupt things. Keep the children out. Uh, which is sort of understandable, which we've seen these sort of things happen even today, right? So verse 16 says, But Jesus called for them and said, Let the ch- little children come to me, and do not stop them. Jesus loves children. Which kind of goes along with everything that we've seen of Jesus. Jesus loves people who are marginalized, People who are has less worth than others, consider less worth than others. People who are ignored, people who are pushed aside. Jesus loves them. So, I've been wanting to say this when it has to the children. To those of you who recognize children and who actually welcomes children, are really special. You are special. You actually care. You're compassionate, and you have a heart of God. Most of us don't. Most of you don't. There are some of you, I won't say who, <clears throat> but you know who you are. You care for children. You rec- When you walk into the room, you see kids, you recognize kids. And I'm not one of them, right? I mean, I, I recognize Hannah, but in, even now, as a father, in most places I go, I don't really see kids. Because that's how I was. I think until I had children, and I was married and had children, I had no interest in kids whatsoever. Right? I walk in, oh, there was kids? Oh, someone brought kids? I don't know. I don't care. They're not valued to me. And I think some of you are, but some of you are very special in a way. When you walk into a place, you see kids first. You want to be with kids. You want to care for kids. And I want to say that's very, very special. And God has placed that in your heart. And you have a heart of God. So I want you to nurture that. And for all of us to recognize those who care for children, it's important. And also recognize that some of us are just self-centered we don't see because children give us nothing. Like, why would I want to hang out with children? Or Hannah, right? That's us. I am one of them. 
And that's how it is. And Jesus is not like that. Jesus welcomes children. Well, so what? <laughs> so why is, what, what, what is this story about? So it's not really about romantic notion about children. That Jesus, oh, Jesus loves children. And that's what some people like to get out of. And that's not what it's really about. Verse 16 and 17 says, For it is such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not re- re- receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. So, Jesus relates children to the kingdom of God. So, this isn't about becoming like children. I think sometimes you may hear, Oh, see, you gotta, we got to become like children. That's not what this is about. Jesus is relating, What is it about children has to do with kingdom of God? Right? It's not about becoming like children. I mean, there are some good children, and I think there are, there's an um, aspect of ch- child, children, that we want to learn or relearn. Like Hannah, um, she's really sheltered, and she's really, I think, is a really a good kid. Um, even when it has to, you know, she, she goes to school and argues or talks to her friends about God. And they argue, like, no, God and Jesus. And they say, no, God doesn't exist. And they argue, right? It's sweet. It's great. Like, when we were in Disneyland, we're in a line, and there's a ton of people around. And all of, all of a sudden, she busts out, how great thou art, how great thou art. We're like, oh, wow, okay. Um, <laughs> we wouldn't do that. You guys wouldn't do that, right? I, even I wouldn't. Right? So there's that, there's that just a, you know, innocence and pure heart, and just no hold back in expressing um, the feelings. And when it comes to faith and children who know Jesus, there's a lot for us to learn about. But not all ch- children are like that. There are children who are bad. I have witnessed children who are bad. Yeah. Uh, it's terrible, but some of you have. Like, man, this kid's evil. Yeah. <laughs> and you know we, we, we hope for the best and we pray for them but not all children so it's not about learning to become like children Jesus is saying some, about something else so when you look at this verse here the key is when Jesus says whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child so the question here is how does children receive things so think about it how does children Receive things. There are two, two ways we can look at this. Two significance. One, they always receive things as a gift. They just take it. They, oh, thanks. Right? Like you offer a kid like ice cream. They don't go and say, hmm, what have I done to deserve this? Like, they don't ask, what's catch? Some do, right? <laughs> um, they don't do that. They're like, oh, thanks. You know, they just receive things. They don't have any other thoughts. You know, they just receive things. Because children, unlike us, unlike grown-ups, they don't bring anything. They possess nothing. They don't claim to any privilege. They don't deserve anything. They, they know that. They don't even think that. They just go, oh, thanks. I'll take it. Thanks for giving this to me. That's how children are. They just receive things as a gift. Secondly, Children trust completely of those who love and care for them. Completely. You watch a little baby ever being fed, then it's like something comes to their mouth, what do they do? They open. They open. It can be anything, right? It could be anything. It could be a bowl full of sand, they just open wide. Right? And you get a little kid and you, you know, the, the trust they have for 
the adults, those who care and love for them, is incredible. Um, you know, Hannah would be very, really careful, like jumping off things, but I'm still like shocked when he, he, she's up in this place and she just throws herself at me. Um, and she's getting bigger, so I'm getting worried about what it might happen in the future. She has such a care, I mean, such a trust in those that, who care for her. That's how children are. They're completely trust of those who love and care. So think about that. How does children receive things that Jesus said, you need to receive the kingdom of God like children? So on the other hand, complete opposite of is this young, rich ruler. You look at this man. This is a man who is powerful, who is prestigious, done much, who deserves much, who brings a lot, who has a lot. It's like a lot of young entrepreneurs in San Francisco. You know, like these, this guy is like young, um, you know, Bill Gates or Mark the, what, Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg, the Facebook guy or, you know, young Steve Jobs. This is a guy who, there's a lot of these type of men in San Francisco who's earned multi-millions already because of whatever the apps they made, right? This guy has it going. This guy has a lot, deserves a lot. It's completely opposite of the children. Right? And he's confident. He knows he's worth a lot of assets. He's organized. He's determined. He's respected. He's honored. And he's recognized. When he comes, people know he's there. People recognize his presence. Complete opposite, right? So, he approaches Jesus in a rather different way. So, verse 18, it says, He asked Jesus' question, A good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So here's another question about eternal life. And when it has, when the verse says here eternal life, it's meaning the kingdom of God. And the way that Jews perceived of eternal life is the kingdom of God that's here now, because Savior has come and made, you know, the started, you know, uh, the kingdom of God, and it's the kingdom of God that's going to be coming. So sharing in the kingdom of God is what he's talking about. So he's saying, what do I need to do to inherit the kingdom of God? So, this ruler asks this question, and he probably means well. You know, he's not, um, he doesn't have any bad intention of it, but he, he asks this question, and he gets really smacked around. So, I almost feel bad for this guy. He comes to Jesus, he probably has good intention, he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Uh, and Jesus says, you know, responds, good teacher, why do you call me good? Good, Right? Good teacher. I mean, it's why has he asked that question? Why does he call Jesus good teacher? And Jesus says, only God is good. Um, so Jesus, uh, Jesus is saying, well, you call me good, but only God is good. So what are you really saying? Do you know what you're saying? You probably meant to, in a you know good intention, but if you really believe that I'm God, then you should be on your knees. You haven't really understood what you're saying. You haven't made up your mind about who I am. Because you're saying it, but you don't completely get it. And Jesus, and you know, he goes on about his other question. He says, um, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And I don't know if you caught that. Do and inherit contradicting each other, right? You don't do something to inherit. You do nothing to inherit. Because the inheritance is a gift, you don't deserve it, but you receive it. That's why. That's what inheritance means. 
So the, his question is flawed in a way that it's contradicting. What must I do to inherit eternal life? But Jesus plays along. Right? He said, okay, I'll play along with your game. So in verse 20, Jesus says, You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You sh- uh, and honor your father and mother. So I don't know if you counted. That's five. That's five of ten commandments. And all those five has to do with stuff that you need to do. We need to follow to other people. Not about God. So he answers. And his answer only you know, puts him to deep, put him in a deeper hole. And he replies in verse 21, I have kept all this since my youth. And I'm sure he has, with a good intention, right? Good for him. But what is he saying? What is he really saying is, I did it. I really deserve this. So has he really come just to receive confirmation that it's not a question of how do I, what do I, must I do to inherit eternal life? It's rather... I've done this. I think I'm getting the eternal life. What do you think, Jesus? And that might be his attitude. Uh, and in verse 22, Jesus responds to him. When Jesus heard this, he said to them, to him, There is still one thing lacking. Sell all that you own. Distribute the money to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. What is Jesus saying? Again, the key in Jesus' response is there is still one thing lacking. So the question for us is, what is it lacking? What is it lacking to receive the kingdom of God? Is it is the problem that he has a lot of money? Um, should he not have any money? Is the problem money or and or is the solution really selling everything? That he shouldn't have it, he should sell everything and give it to poor. Is it, you know... Philanthropy, that, that's really the solution of, for him. So there's two issues going on in this rich young ruler. Uh, and both are really embedded in the response of this guy. and Because he responds in verse 23. But when he heard this, he became sad for he was very rich. So two issues. Number one, he holds his rich above all things. So what Jesus is discovering, Jesus is seeing his heart. And he's saying, there's one thing you're lacking, and that is, you have not obeyed the first commandment. I shared this when I was one time talking, uh, having, doing a talk in Young Life. And I think it was too complicated. I think it might have been too much for high school kids. But do you know that first commandment, which is, Thou shalt not have no other God before me. You know the first commandment, is the commandment that is for all of them. You cannot disobey first commandment and follow the rest. You cannot follow the rest and say that you obey um, the first commandment. First commandment holds the, all, the whole thing. The all ten commandment is about first commandment. That we'll do these things if we hold God less than who He's supposed to be. So Jesus is challenging and he's looking at his heart and saying, you have forgotten one thing. And he said, money. The rich means more to you. You know, he comes and tries to flatter Jesus and with the attribute of God and, you know, good teacher. And he showed willingness to take, um, you know, say, oh, I have done all these things. But he has no willingness to take, you know, have God take place of other things. He's not worshiping God. He worships money. 
Secondly, he trusts in his rich because he cannot do what Jesus asked without trusting him wholeheartedly. Again, the question is idolatry. It's all about do you worship God alone? But you know what? It's not really worship. Idolatry is not only about worshiping. Idolatry <laughs> has to do also with what do you trust? What do you depend on? You know, what do you, from whom do you seek approval? That's idolatry. If you trust something else, that's idolatry. If you depend on something else, that's idolatry. If you seek approval from somebody else, that's idolatry. We're missing that one thing. Because doing that one thing, worshipping only God, places God in His rightful place, which the rich man, rich man is unwilling to do. So, Jesus talks about kingdom of God, and it really comes down to this. It's about trust and humility. Because to be humble is to trust, and to trust is to be humble. And in that we allow God to be God. Like children, when they trust in those that love and care for them, they let them to be who they're supposed to be. Right? They're parents. So we allow, and which which rich men would never do. It's not about deserving. It's not about working it out, but it's simply receiving it, right? When you're humble, you don't think about anything else. You trust and you say, oh, I'll just receive it, right? Because there's a, there's a humility in simply receiving gifts. And I don't know if you see this with your friends, but as soon as I see it a lot, it's some people just cannot receive gifts. Mm-hmm. You give them something, they have to get it back to you. Right? They have to give it back to you in return another gift. You give something else, they have to get back to you. They just simply cannot receive anything. They cannot owe you anything. It's just not how they work. And you know, humility is in just simply receiving gifts. Because simply trusting what we receive as something that is given to you. And when it has to do with God, simply believing that what God gives is simply better and good. So, in Jesus' question here, um, to the rich man, and to us, is do you trust God? Do you trust Jesus? And although the simple answer for us would be, yeah, sure, I do, but does it really reflect in your life? Do you trust God? Does your life show the humility and trust in God? Or what do you depend on, rely on, or seek approval of? Because rich man depends on, on his rich money, but it's not about money. It's also about knowledge. Right? Some of us depend on our knowledge, what we know, our education. Some of us depend on, depend on relationships, family, our parents. Our parents can provide things for us. I depend on my parents. Or the relationships. That family is more important than anything else. Even even God. Or morality. Like, I do good things. I don't do anything bad. I know good and right. I follow good. You know, what do you depend on? Um, you look at Instagram. Some people depend a lot on their good looks. Um, I used to be one of them. I used to depend on my good looks. <laughs> and it started fading away and I realized it's not something I can depend on <laughs> as I get older. Um, 
I seriously did. I depended on my good looks. And some people, and you know, that's the funniest thing. People who brag about their good looks, it's not like it's not like they've done anything about it, right? What have you done to have your good looks? Nothing. It was just given to you, right? Um, it's fun. Another part, and we talk about it. the father. We we go to like hospital with you know Hannah. We see these fathers and uh, you know mom hold their child, infant child, and they're really happy. They're really proud. They deserve it, right? The father, they're like holding the kid, like, yep, I got my little baby right here, right? <laughs> and it's funny to me because they've done nothing. I've not been there. You know what does dad do to have a child? Nothing, right? Nothing out of ordinary, nothing, no suffering, no sacrifices. They don't nothing. And I think, guys, listen to this one. <laughs> the moment in your life that you would feel most worthless, useless, is time when your wife is bearing a child. Because she's doing something amazing, right? There's a life coming out, there's, and she's suffering, sacrificing, and the whole lot of attention is on her, and you're just on the side going... <laughs> Can I do anything? It's the moment you feel most worthless. Like you're useless. There's nothing you can ever do. You've done nothing. And you know, you see this father's going like, mm-hmm, my son, my son. Right? It's you know, they've done nothing. Anyway, the point is what do you depend on? Some of us depend on our accomplishments. Some of us depend on our characteristics, my discipline. What do you depend on? Or do you trust God? And you know, these things are something that doesn't recognize right away. It's not like, oh, this is happening to me. It's something that just creeps up. You live your life and you realize you've been depending on your knowledge. And you realize you've been depending on what you can do, your discipline, your school, your ability to do well in your jobs, your you know, good looks. You realize that's what you've been depending on. It creeps up on you. And maybe that's something that this rich man was going through. He didn't know that he depended so much on his rich until he was challenged to trade it, to trade it all. So the question is, can you trade it all and follow Jesus? To trust Jesus, to give it up. Josh and I went to uh, Chelogs and got the t-shirt that says Chelogs. And Chelogs is the name of a woman that actually started the business, not the name of food. Food is Silox. Um, that's the name of the woman, Chalox. And uh, some of you know the story of this woman. She was um, a, an executive of finance, doing a financial firm. She had everything going for herself and uh, she was successful. She had money. And all of a sudden, and she, but she was faithfully following Jesus and she prayed one time and she kept hearing God speak to her to go start a restaurant. She knows nothing about restaurants. And she's saying, what, what is this? I don't know anything about restaurant. I'm going to fail. I'm not going to do this. But she kept hearing it. So one day she decided, okay, God, I don't know what's going on, but I trust you. And I do that. So she left her job. She sold her stocks of the company and everything to start a restaurant business. A couple of day, days later, there was the, you know, 19, you know, uh, the 2009, the thing and then the stocks went all down and she ended up saving a whole lot of money and there was an investigation on her and everything and she said no this was I did it out of faith I had no other information so she started business restaurant serving the drug druggies serving the poor and homeless at night 
and she now doubles. She has two other uh, stores that she's running to do ministry at night. And one of it, the first one is Chalops, right? She completely trusted God to lead her to the road that she has no idea where to go and what to do and how she would survive. Right? So the question is, can you trade it and follow Jesus? You know, some of you do that. Some of you have done that if you look through your past. Have you traded and trust Jesus? Some of you are giving up your money to go to the Philippines. Here among you, some of, one, one of us came out to San Francisco to pastor this lifelike church with nothing else, no job, no security and anything else. Can you give it up and trust Jesus? Follow Jesus. And you know, talking about kingdom of God, kingdom of God is something new. It's different from the world. In order for us to receive something new, we need to empty out what is old. We have to give it up what is old to receive what God will give us, which is completely new. To trust a totally new thing is good. And here's, the, here's what I love about this story. We talked about humility, and we talked about how if you're humble... You don't say you're humble, right? If you say you're humble, then you, you're not humble anymore, right? And we talked, we, we read about the story about tax collector and Pharisee praying, and how Pharisee prayed, God, thank God, I'm not like this tax collector, and tax collector prayed, you know, God, forgive me, have mercy on me, uh, a sinner. And we, we, we talked about how, wow, really, most of us who read this story are thinking, thank God, I'm not like the Pharisee, right? And here... Here's the best part of this story. Jesus tells this story, right? And Jesus you know, goes through this instant, the children and how this man comes and say, you need to give up everything and follow me. And this man can't. And what does Peter say? He puts his foot in his mouth again. Peter says, well, I, we, we, uh, we gave up everything left to follow you. Right? He's putting his foot in his mouth again. He's saying, oh yeah, I did that. Which is completely up, completely, you know, following the line of Richmond. He's doing the same thing as Richmond. I earned this. Have I earned this? And he's almost like reminding Jesus. Jesus, remember that unlike this Richmond, I gave up everything and followed you. Humility, right? Peter's at that instant, right at that moment, completely failed as the Richmond has, without even knowing it. So, really the desperate question that we want to end, you know, focus as we end this story is, then who can be saved? Because our proclivity is that we are going to be just like the rich man, and not like children. We are going to be just like the Pharisee. We're going to trust in our own stuff, depend on our own stuff and knowledge and what we have and we're going to try to earn our way and we want to show it off to Jesus see what I have instead of simply receiving it as a gift and completely trusting in God so the question is then who can be saved Jesus answers at the end and his answer is basically this he says you're already blessed you decided to follow me you're not perfect but you're blessed and you will receive not only the blessing in the age to come, 
But even now, you are receiving the blessings. And what he means by that is the community of God. What he means is the church. When he says, when you left home, when you, when you left your family, now you have received new home in the church. Now you have received new families. What you have sacrificed, God is restoring to you. And that's not because we deserve it. That's not because of what we have done. It's all because of Jesus and what He has done and what He has given us. All of this is made possible by Jesus, His life, His death and resurrection, which is what we're going to celebrate. So, my challenge to us, all of us, is how do you receive the kingdom of God? Do we receive like children do? Completely trusting God. Simply receiving it as a gift because we don't deserve it. But because it's God who is good, who is loving, who is compassionate, who receives us, who welcomes us. Let me pray and we will break the cup, break the bread and drink the cup. Jesus, I pray that you will help us to reflect on how we sometimes just fail, even in the midst of this teaching, to be like Peter and and say that we've done this. We have accomplished this. And I pray that you will help our hearts to be innocent and pure like children, that we simply receive you as a gift which we don't deserve. And help us reflect on things that we trust aside from you. And may we grow to completely, completely put our trust in you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. This concludes our presentation. For more information and other audio content, please visit lifelightchurch.org.